Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Lisa Stone, and you're listening to Parenting Aces. Welcome to Season 11 of the Parenting Aces podcast, a proud member of the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. I'm your host, Lisa Stone, and this week we have tennis parent, tennis coach, tennis player extraordinaire, Sheila Townsend. Sheila has grown up in the sport. She played collegiate tennis, became a coach, and has gone on to coach not only her two daughters, Simone and Taylor, but now coaching high school students, coaching families, and coaching high-performance players in the Boca Raton, Florida area. I am really excited to share Sheila's story with you and her new venture for the love. So I hope you will sit back, relax, and enjoy my conversation with my friend, Sheila Townsend. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Well, hey, my friend, Sheila. How are you? I'm well, Lisa. Thank you for having me on your podcast today. Well, absolutely. It's been a long time coming and I'm so excited to finally get you on. I think the last time the Parenting Parenting Aces audience got video of you was like back in 2012, maybe at the U.S. Open Juniors. I don't know. 2013, I think it was. Yeah, 12 or 13. Yeah. That's so crazy, but it's great to see you. And I'm so excited to give you a platform to talk about your latest tennis ventures. But before we jump into that, um, because it's your first time on the podcast, I would love for you to tell us how you got started in the game of tennis. Okay. Well, uh, I, I actually got drug along with my mom and her girlfriend who wanted to go play but I'll say they were playing at it. They weren't really playing. <laughs> they were and um, so I, I watched and then I started hitting off of the wall and, and enjoyed it. And so, um, you know, would ask my um, mom if I could go to the parks, to the city parks in Chicago and play. And during that time, we really had a very rich um, African-American tennis community. So there were many parks throughout the south side of Chicago where you could go and um, you could always find really, really good tennis players there. So um, I did that in the summer 
And then uh, during the fall, I would participate in uh, NJTL programs and um, some programs that they offer with the Chicago Prairie Tennis Association. And so that's really kind of like how I got started. Um, my parents really didn't know anything about tennis, but if I, you know, asked to go play, they would allow me to go play. And um, so I really got my lessons to learn how to play really with some of the old timers at the park, playing with the old guys with the junk and the gunk and <laughs> kind of learn how to, to play that kind of game. And, um, you know, it grew from there. I played in high school, not much, um, because my parents really, at that time, my parents, they didn't even know how to go about, and neither did I, um, getting a ranking and, and how to qualify for tournaments. So the only tournaments that I would really play were the tournaments that were held at the public parks where I used to play. And that was pretty much it. And um, so when I was graduating from high school, uh, some of the old timers asked, um, you know, did I get any money for school? And I told them I, I was going to Cornell College and I told them that I had only received five hundred dollars. And I said, that won't even cover books. Mm. And um, so they told me. There's a university, a HBCU, Lincoln University in Missouri, that's offering full scholarships. Would you like to go and check it out? And I said, sure. I had never heard of Lincoln University before, but my mom and I, we got in the car, drove down, met with the coach. I hit with some of the players who were still um, there during the summer, and she offered me a scholarship on the spot. Wow. So you must have been pretty good learning how to play at that local park. Oh, yeah. I mean, those old timers, let me tell you, they would, <laughs> you know, you you learn how to play a different style of game, you know. Um, for sure. And um, and I was on scholarship for all four years while I was in, while I was in college. And our team was uh, we didn't have a male's team. It was just a female's team. And our team was made up of all uh, African-American, well, I shouldn't say African-Americans, all Blacks, because we had players from Jamaica, uh, the state of Washington, Texas, me from Illinois. Um, we had some from Nevada and, um, and from Missouri. So we were from everywhere. We were the only Blacks in our, in our entire conference, too. Wow. For us to, we won our conference a couple of, two years out of my four. So that was, you know, a really big deal. And um, once I went through that and understood about, you know, tournaments and at that point how to get rankings. And so, you know, I said there was no way I was going to pay for my kids to go to, you know, post-secondary school when they can use this as an additional vehicle for education. So um, that was always my focus was always using tennis as an instrument to fund their education. 
So it was never for you once you had kids and, and you have very talented kids, I might add. Um, it was never for you a matter of them making a living playing tennis, but more having the ability to fund their college education. That was my sole focus was, you know, I just knew that if I can go to school, if never having any kind of private lessons or anything like that, you know, not really playing tournaments. I was like, it's no way in the world I'm going to pay for school. You know, my oldest daughter, Simone, uh, went to a division one uh, university and uh, she was able to maintain her tennis scholarship all four years. So she finished undergrad with no student loans. That's incredible in today's yeah. time. That's huge. It's, that it's is, a huge gift to give your children. That is amazing. And so that was always education was always my focus. I mean, um, so I never had uh, pro as being my ultimate goal. My ultimate goal was, you know, you be able to get into the best university with your academics and and your talent and your ability. And if you can get the top, then that means you have everything else underneath. And you pick them. Don't let them pick you. You pick where you want to go. Mm-hmm. So that, that was always my drive. I love that. And at what point, I mean, so Simone went on to have, you know, like you said, a great collegiate career, um, has moved into other arenas now in her post-college life. But Taylor had, at some point, the dream of becoming a professional player. When did when did that change and how or did that change how you approach the sport with her? Well, as far as her wanting to be pro, I mean, at that time, USTA, they were trying to recruit her when she still was in elementary school or middle school. And I I just said, no, I was not going to do that. Um, Because again, you know, the pro thing was never in my in my in my focus. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that um, you know when they were coming up, but my thing was, you know, we, we aren't going to venture off into national tournaments or anything. I mean, you have to win everything in your own backyard first before we um, venture out. You know, because uh, the expense that goes along with uh, once the kids are reaching certain levels, I mean, just the expense of the training and uh, travel and, and equipment and things like that. And, you know, and at that time being uh, uh, a single mom and, and not having uh you know, a lot of resources. I had to be very uh, strategic with what what we did. So once, you know, they started winning things at that time we were living in Georgia, once they started pretty much winning everything in Georgia and then winning in the Southern section, then I said, okay, 
now we can venture out. But for Taylor, I think that once she started winning a lot of big tournaments, uh, a lot of big national tournaments, you know, I think then the change kind of started to shift mm. with, with her mindset. You know, I think that uh, she wanted to, to, at that point, I think she wanted to see how far she can go. And, um, you know, and I was in full support of that. But even still at that time, I mean, my mindset still hadn't shifted to professional. Right. It's still, you know, this is all about school and, and let's get the best school. Um, but once she attained uh, number one ITF ranking, that's when it really kind of, it kind of hit me too. Mm. Um, like, you know, well, maybe this is something more than j- for her. Maybe this is something more than just, just obtaining, you know, her education. And maybe she can look at this as a, as a possibility of, of making a career uh, out of this. So I was kind of forced into that too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, sometimes the circumstances dictate where you go. Right. And, you know, with one child, you have one set of experiences and with another child, you have a very different set of experiences. And I try to pass this message along to coaches as well as to parents that, you know, that's what makes our sport so complicated is there's not one pathway that works for every family or even every kid within a family as, as you saw. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, because ironically, you know, Simone was better than Taylor. You know, it wasn't until she had her, her, she had a, a real freaky accident where her foot uh, caught the bottom of a uh, tennis net and she slipped and, and she tore her ACL. And I mean, it was a very uh, ugly injury. Um, but I think that once that happened, you know, and Simone, I mean, she had to go through physical therapy and with her foot and then her knee. You know, I just don't think that, you know, she realized that she didn't want to put in that kind of effort to get back uh, to that level where she was before. You know, she was was still at a level where she could compete um, on a collegiate. But as far as that next tier, you know, she... I mean, without saying it, you know, she just didn't want to put in that kind of commitment, time commitment and work commitment, which was fine. I mean, she got a great education and, you know, which is what I wanted for her to be able to have a good education to prepare herself for her next phase of life. Right. Right. Can I ask you how or if your role as parent to each of your daughters changed based on what their goals were for their tennis? 
you know, and that's one of those things where it's almost, you almost can't even really explain it because with Simone, you know, we knew that, you know, after the injury that that was pretty much going to be her path. But with Taylor, there's so many nuances that go along with it and things that happen without you even knowing that they are happening that um, I think that sometimes that you miss a lot of things because you're just going along trying to make sure that you're giving them what you deem is um, the best opportunity for them and putting them in the best situation. So it's almost, you know, it's almost you're learning as you go, as you go along. And, um, you know, but one of the things that, um, you know, that I would hope to share with parents is, you know, like, don't compare one to the other, you know, Um, you know, both of them had the same coach, they had the same opportunities and they had the same, you know, they went to the same tournaments and things like that. But at the end of the day, they're two different people and, you know, and they had two, two different trajectories. Mm-hmm. And that's not a, that, that, that's not a failure on you as a parent, you know, it's just, how things worked out, you know, and I, I think that um, as a parent, you know, you're like, well, I, I, you know, why is one like this? And they had the same opportunity as the next, but that's so unfair to compare the two. It's so unfair to the kid and to yourself. I mean, you drive yourself crazy. Uh, <laughs> yes. Trying to figure something out that, you'll probably never have the answer to, you know? Right. Well, and I think, you know, you bring up a really important point is, is not just unfair to the kids, which, you know, we know that, that comparing siblings to one another can be really harmful to their relationship with each other and their relationship with their parent. But, but how unfair it is to you to put that pressure on yourself that what did I do that, you know, may have impacted this one's path versus that one's path. And really, like you said, it's not anything you did. You provided the same opportunities. They're just two different human beings with two different sets of goals, two different um, sets of what's important to them in life, what they want to achieve. And it's not that one's right and one's wrong. It's just each is unique. And you as the parent, I think, have to embrace the uniqueness of each of your children and honor that and respect that and then step back and let them fly, let them figure out their path. Yeah, because, you know, it it gets at at some point, uh, you know, so much of it is not um, indicative of what you put into it. When they're younger, yes, you know, because you are basically setting a foundation. But 
there's a point where, you know, if you're pushing and they don't want to push, um, you know, then you get the resentment, you get the rebellion, you get the kids who, you know, start acting out and things like that. Right. And um, then nobody is happy. Nobody is happy. But, you know, and one of the other things, too, um, though the girls did tennis, I allowed them to do other things as well. I allowed them to participate in other sports as well. However, when they knew that it was time for, you know, tournaments or, you know, preparing for particular events that, you know, they just may not be able to do some of the other things. Simone played ball and swam and Taylor did track and, and both of them were in the orchestra. So it wasn't, you know, I I wanted them to be well-rounded and not so singularly focused just on tennis because um, just like anybody, you'll get burnout. For sure. We've seen so many times, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I want to just ask you one more question about Taylor, and then we're going to move on to what you're doing now, because I'm really excited for you to share your new project. But Taylor recently became a mama herself. And um, I'm wondering, you know, do you think as Grandma Sheila, I don't know what the baby's calling you. What's he calling you? He calls me Gigi. Gigi. Oh, that's my mom's grandma name. I love that. (laughs) So do you think that Taylor is going to become a tennis parent? That's an interesting question. You know, it's so, I I don't know how to answer that, you know, because my experience and her experience is so different. You know, here I'm coming from somebody who, or from a situation where I didn't have a lot of, uh, you know, uh, uh, structured uh, development, I would say, mm-hmm. compared to her, where her, she and Taylor, I mean, she and Simone had a much more uh, intentional and structured kind of uh, upbringing. And, um, you know, and now, I mean, Taylor is at such a different level of tennis that that I had experienced that, you know, she knows so much more, I, you know, and so I don't know. I mean, I was so happy when she had a racket in his hand and he was hitting the ball off of the cone. I lost it. I know. I love that, too. It was so great. <laughs> so I I'm not sure how to really answer that. You know, I I would hope that if, um, you know, I'm keeping my fingers crossed, you know, that he goes that direction, you know, that um, mistakes that I made and, and, and maybe, you know, things that she saw, you know, that, that she can just try to avoid, avoid those pitfalls, um, to 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 help him out so i don't i don't know if that answered the question but i hope if she's the tennis parent i'm the hope she's not one of those crazy ones that's all i'm 
<laughs> well, she just needs to join Parenting Aces. She'll be fine. <laughs> Don't be one of those crazy ones. That's yeah. all. <laughs> well, let's shift gears, Sheila, and let's talk about For the Love, which is your new project. And I, I want to kind of start at the beginning because For the Love is really a coaching opportunity, but you transitioned from tennis parent, well, tennis player to tennis parent to tennis coach. Why well, maybe I said that in the wrong order because you helped coach the girls too. So you were coaching well before all of this came about, but what made you get into coaching and more recently, what made you want to expand your coaching knowledge and experience to embrace others? Well, let's see. For, for the love is actually, I mean, the title of my company is just, you know, I love tennis. I mean, it has afforded me and my family so many opportunities um, from educating us to um, traveling around the world to people that I've met and um and I think it's just been a an evolution um, that I've just finally come to terms with. And um, so me working here at Boca High, uh, you know, I've been the tennis coach here now for about seven years. And um, so I, I kept my hand in it. And, um, you know, and I just see that uh, a lot of times, I, I don't want to be negative, but I think that a lot of times tennis is a very lucrative business. And, you know, I see where there's so many uh, gaps where families are, are not being given the proper information that they should be getting or, or communicated. Um, and, um, and they're left out of the process altogether because of cost, so, right? And so often, you know, there seems to be some kind of uh, assumption that there's a threat of the parents. But if you in my opinion, if you are doing it in the right way, you absolutely have to have the whole unit in sync in order for it to work. Yeah. Um, you know, and I always tell my, my players that tennis is such a reflection of life. Um, it mirrors life so succinctly um, that you have your parent and your parent is teaching you and guiding you, you know, and giving you instructions and things like that. And the coach is doing the same thing. It's just in a different, in a different setting. Mm -hmm. um, on the parent side, you know, you input all these things and this information into the child or children. And hopefully when certain situations and circumstances come up that they'll make the right choices based on the information that you have 
instilled in them. That's no different than on the court. You know, your coach has shown you how to do some things and explain to you why. And hopefully when that situation comes up, you know, that you're able to execute the correct thing. But if not, you know, then what are you going to do? And quickly, quickly, what are you going to do? Are you going to fix it or are you going to pout? Right. So I, I love it because, I mean, you can almost contrast one to the other back and forth. And I think that a lot of times that uh, coaches try to pull the power of the parent away. But I think that if you are being genuine, if you're being authentic, and if you're being transparent, then there's no need to do that. Yeah. And so often I see, I see that it's like, almost like this is mine, but no, it's, it's a whole unit. And so, you know, I wanted to not only bring my experience of, of the game, uh, to families and, and to players, but also to educate them as well. I mean, because it is education. And, you know, one of the questions that you asked me, and I said, I really don't know how to answer because sometimes you just kind of learn as you go along. Mm-hmm. Well, I've been able to, I've been blessed and fortunate enough where, you know, possibly some information that I can share with the parents, the kids, will eliminate them having to make some missteps. Sure. And, you know, communication is such a big piece of this. And it's something that we stress all the time on Parenting Aces, right? That you have to keep the lines of communication open between the coach and the player, the coach and the parent, and the player and the parent, right? All, all of those entities need to be in constant communication with each other and understand what the needs are, what's being done to fill those needs, what the expectations are, who's holding whom accountable and how. All of that needs to be discussed and out in the open. And oftentimes when that doesn't happen, when you don't have that open communication, that's when you run into these issues and stumbling blocks along the the junior developmental pathway, whether from the parent side or the coach's side or the player side. So I love that, that that is such a focus of the work that you're doing with For the Love and that you're sharing that with the players you come in contact with, but also the families around those players. Absolutely. And so with, um, with my, Um, organization because I'm just not for coaching. I mean, we encompass an educational component. We have, uh, I have somebody who is uh, for fitness and conditioning and not just um, a cookie cutter uh, kind of training. Um, I have someone who is uh, for the mental wellness and and mental health. And I also have someone uh, for counseling and, and for, um, you know, I don't want to say this to scare people off, but the spirituality part of it too. Mm-hmm. 
the holistic. So I'm really trying to address the whole player and just not focusing on one aspect of the of the player slash individual because you can be incredibly amazing in one and off the skids in three yeah. of others and you know eventually everything comes to head and um but if you can address those things continuously and ongoing, I mean, I think that it will eliminate a lot of issues that some of these players, even now, you know, that we see are are going through who are incredible athletes, but then in other areas of their life, you know, there, there are some serious boys, you know, not to, it's no judgment, but, um, you know, it's like you can't focus on just the right side and not work on the left side. Agreed. And I think, you know, one of the things that makes you so unique in in your, you know, approach to all of this is the fact that you came from the player side, then you came from the parent side, and then you came through the coach's side. So you've experienced all these different aspects of the game and of developing a player yourself and have, as you admitted, come across some stumbling blocks along the way that, you know, sometimes you handled well and sometimes not so well. And so you can use all of that experience as you work with these players and the families to really take that holistic approach and help them not just become really good tennis players, but become really good human beings, which is the goal, right? Become good citizens because, I mean, ultimately, first and foremost is you want to have good people. Yeah. Good people. And, um, you know, again, you, you can be an incredible athlete, but if you are a person of no ethics, no integrity, no morals, dishonest, you know, it it kind of erases the fact of of what talent that you have. Yeah. I mean, again, you know, that's why I talk about the whole person because the whole person is important. You know, you don't live in a vacuum of just being in a silo of a tennis player. Right. What do you do after you get off of the court? Do you just evaporate? (laughs) So, so, I I mean, so that's very important to me. Yeah. That's to me, um, those characteristics. And I guess that's part of that spirituality portion of it um, about character, about integrity, about ethics, about, uh, um, you know, care for your fellow man, you know, when things that, so those are things that are important to me and to all of the people that I have, um, been so fortunate enough to have a part of my team 
Yeah. I want to dig into who else is on your team in a minute, but I have to ask you a question there. I posted something on our Facebook group over the weekend um, about that. The goal of a sports parent should be at the end of the day to have a good relationship with your child. And somebody commented on that post and said, you know, who came up with this goal? Really? That's the goal. And I'm curious your opinion about that. Do you, what do you think should be the goal of a sports parent and specifically a tennis parent? I mean, first and foremost, I mean, first and foremost, I mean, to let them know that you are there as their support mechanism, that regardless of their accomplishments, their success or whatever, that you love them regardless um, because if, and, and let them know that your love is unconditional. Your love is unconditional based upon, uh, uh, how you finish in a tournament or what your ranking may be or whatever, because at the end of the day, if something happens to that, and that is your only thing, then what do you have? Nothing, you know? So, Again, and they go to, you know, and I circle back to those same things that I was talking about, you know, being an ethical person, being there, letting them know that you care for them. And, and of course, um, the most important thing is for them to know that you are there, that you are there for them unconditionally. Yeah, unconditional. Um, because if something happens and they're no longer able to play tennis, does my relationship become different because they're no longer able to be an athlete? And if the answer is yes, then that's pretty sad. It Agreed. shouldn't. It shouldn't. Agreed. Agreed. Well, thank you for that. I want to go back to the team that you've assembled for For the Love. Can you talk a little bit about who's working with you and how you all came together? Yes, I have. Um, Jalinda Herring is is my legal advisor. Um, I have uh, Chandra Noble is the mental health and a spiritual counselor. Uh, she's a licensed counselor for that. Um, then I have Anne Marie Gargano is my social media and um, my uh, technology uh, person. Patricia Richardson is the educational component. And then Sherry Barnes is. Um, she is also legal and uh, she's actually a, an amazing player too. So she's also uh, part of the coaching. And lastly, I have Danny McNair, um, who has uh, the McNair Method, who has a facility here in Boca Raton for the uh, fitness and conditioning training. Love that. So, I mean, you really are covering all the bases that your players need to find success both on and off the court. And you're at the kind of center of this, but this whole team has to work together in order to 
to make for the love work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. And so, and you guys are working not just with kids, but also with adults. Yes, I do. I I work with adults, um, men and women. I have several women's groups that I work with um, in clinics, but also um, with individual lessons. Um, I'm working with some schools and I have some some things I'm kind of working on with a couple of municipalities. And I worked with, um, last summer, I worked with the Urban League of Broward County. So, um, yeah, I'm kind of getting out there. And and I also offer um, consulting services as well. So um, if somebody would like, you know, a consultation, if Maybe if they aren't here in South Florida, but would like to have some information, you know, that's a service that I offer. And also, I I also have someone um, on the team um, for families who, you know, want to come to South Florida to train and they're needing housing for a duration of time. I have someone to help. Uh, facilitate that as well. So for more high performance players. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I want to just make sure that we touch on the fact that you're working with players of all levels, but you are absolutely qualified and have the experience to help a high performance player reach the highest levels of the game. In addition to helping players that are more recreational or maybe doing it, you know, for social purposes. So you really can cover the gamut. Yes. Yes. And, you know, one of the things, you know, one of, if I could say one of the things that I, I am really proud of that I did this past year was, um, you know, people would think South Florida, you know, everybody plays tennis, but that's not so. Um, so here at the school, I, um, during the off season, I had a day, um, that I would open up for tennis lessons for, you know, students who had never played, who were interested in playing. And it was such a good, you know, introduction for them to see, to experience, you know, the game and, you know, people who may not have ever or would have ever considered trying it, you know, they did. And, you know, one of the things that I told them why tennis is so amazing is because I said, you know, you could go to a a park or a facility, you could see somebody on the court, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 years old. Yep on the court playing, which means that tennis is a lifelong sport, you know? Um, and, and one of the things that I wanted to do was the exposure to show them that, you know, there are, you know, being in South Florida, it's like football and, and basketball is king, you know, but to show them that there are so many other, you know, avenues that you can add to, you know, help uh, with the expense of your your post secondary school. Yep. 
And also, you know, that this is something that, I mean, when you're 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, I don't see any of those people running down a football field, okay? <laughs> because those niggas won't know it. <laughs> that is true. That is true. Well, I'm going to use this to put a challenge out there, Sheila, because I think the fact that you offered this open instruction day to the school and that you are the the high school tennis coach there, this needs to be a challenge for every high school tennis coach out there that after the season is over or before the season starts or heck smack dab in the middle of the season, hold an open instruction day for all the faculty and students and staff at your school and show them how great this sport is. If every high school tennis coach across the country did this just once a year. Imagine how much we would grow the game, how many new players we would introduce to this fantastic game that you and I love so much and that we know is so beneficial in so many ways. So I'm throwing that challenge out there to every high school tennis coach in the U.S., (laughs) Follow Sheila's lead. If you need to have some how to's or some guidance on how to do it, we're going to have Sheila's contact info in the show notes. So you reach out to her and she'll tell you exactly how she did it and what you need to do to get something similar going at your school. Yes, I like that. (laughs) I mean, we're about nothing if not growing the game, right? We got to keep introducing new players. We can't sit back and just hope that people are going to find us because as you and I both well know, you know, being a tennis fan requires commitment. It's tough to follow this game. And, you know, we have to provide opportunities for people to find us and to get exposed to playing this beautiful sport. So I love that you're doing that. I love that you're continuing to coach at the high school level. And oh my gosh, I would be so remiss if I didn't mention the fact that you had a big award this year, right? Or a big honor this year with your high school coaching? It was, uh, it was last year. So last year um, was the first time in the history of Boca High that their boys, my boys, advanced to the state championships. So, and it was a very young team. So it was quite an experience for them. And, um, So the girls, uh, since I've been here, the girls, we've been three times. The girls have been to the state championship. We haven't pulled it off yet, but that's okay. We're still working. It's coming. It's coming. And um, so that was last year. But this year I was uh, elected to the uh, Florida High School Association tennis advisory committee and I really am grateful for that because I get to um, you know get the feedback from coaches from this region and and take it back to the meetings to see if we can implement some of their concerns and address their issues and and um, you know make them aware of what some of the concerns are in the uh, high school coaching community. Yeah, I love that. I mean, you are the perfect person to have that platform because 
I know you well enough to know that you are not shy about speaking up when you see things that aren't working well and and when you see things that are working well. And uh, so I yeah, kudos to the education folks for for you know adding you to that committee and and giving you that platform to continue to make positive changes in Boca and beyond because high school coaches around the country look to successful programs and look to emulate what they're doing. And so the fact that you've got a successful program at Boca High just means that, you know, coaches from around the U.S. can look at what you're able to achieve there and take some of that back to their own programs. And I I love that. Thank you. So Sheila, if people want to find out more about For the Love, what's the best way for them to do that? I can, they can find me on Instagram uh, at For the Love Tennis. I'm also on Facebook and I, um, and I have a website so I can send that information to you. And if you want to post it, then you can post that. Um, But please, if you have any questions or would like to talk to me, I am available and um, all of my contact information will be on that uh, that I send to you. Perfect. Yeah. And we'll post that in the show notes on parentingaces.com. So any of you who are interested in learning more about Sheila's work and whether it's as a high school coach, whether it's as a tennis parent, whether it's as a coach to juniors or families or adults, all that contact info will be in the show notes on parentingaces.com. Sheila, thank you so much for coming on. It's always so much fun to see your smile and to get to talk with you. You bring this joy and this positive energy to everything you do. And I'm so excited to get to share that with our community and just wish you continued success and everything. Well, thank you. I am. Look at how tennis has had us connected for now almost 10 years. Yeah. And probably longer because when they were juniors, you know? Yeah. Oh, I mean, this is, Again, one of the benefits of it, I mean, the the connections that you make, the friendships that you make. And, you know, I just hope that um, some of my experiences will I'll be able to share with people so that they can have the best tennis experience possible. Love it. Well, thank you. Thank you. To my audience, thank you so much for tuning in. We will catch you next time on Parenting Aces. I'm Lisa Stone, and you've been listening to the Parenting Aces podcast. For tennis parents, by a tennis parent. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to us and write a review on iTunes. For more information on navigating the junior and college tennis journey, please visit us online at parentingaces.com. Thanks for tuning in and sharing us with your tennis community.